Hey there, and welcome back to the Mini Weekend. I'm your host, Jack. Let's crack a beer and get the ball rolling. As of this last Saturday, unfortunately, the Golden Gophers have now lost six straight to the Iowa Hawkeyes. And it was a tough one to watch most of the night as the Gophers really couldn't get the running game going early enough as Ibrahim would only rush for 39 yards in the first half. Mo would go on to finish the game with 144 yards on 33 carries. But because of that, Tanner Morgan would have to throw the ball 33 times this game only to complete 16 of them. The weird thing about it is if you look at it on paper, like if you didn't watch the game and you're looking at it on paper, um, minus the score, it wouldn't really look that lopsided. Yeah, Iowa outran us 235 yards to 145, but Tanner Morgan actually outthrew Spencer Petras in passing yards, 167 sorry, to 111. The Gophers had two turnovers, Iowa only had one. Even total yards, Iowa had 346 and the Gophers had 312. But one of the things the Hawkeyes excelled at in this game that would prove to be a big difference maker was early conversions and third down conversions. Iowa only had seven third third downs all game and went three for seven on them, while the Gophers forced themselves into 16 third downs and only converting on seven of them. It's also worth noting we went for it on two fourth downs and only completed one of them. So that and the penalty game would not work in the Gophers' favor either, considering the Gophers in the first couple games didn't really account for many penalties, which concerned me a little bit in this game. The Iowa Hawkeyes only had two penalties for 25 yards this game, but the Gophers had eight penalties for 85 yards. Yikes. But honestly, on the field, Iowa just looked like the better team from the get-go. Uh, Iowa's running back Nico Ragini got the Hawkeyes on the board just over five minutes left in the first quarter. And the Gophers were only in a seven-point hole after the first quarter, which was a little misleading because Iowa had the ball most that first quarter and looked... Um, a lot better than the Gophers. Then, halfway through the second quarter, the Hawkeyes stud running back, Tyler Goodson, made it a 14 to nothing game in favor of Iowa, and the Gophers went into halftime looking like they had a chance in this game by virtue of the score. But for the Gophers, they were really just lucky they weren't down 21, 28, or even 31 uh, in to nothing at the halftime break. I will give the Gophers this. They didn't look terrible as they controlled the ball in the third quarter, running 20 plays in the third quarter to Iowa's only four plays, putting up uh, 74 yards on 17 plays in the third quarter, only to have a 39-yard field goal blocked. And truthfully, I thought had they made it, that would have made it a game. You get some juice going, you get your confidence going, and at that point, it's only an 11 11-point game. Unfortunately for the Gophers, in the span of six and a half minutes in the fourth quarter, the Hawkeyes would score 21 unanswered points off of only 10 total 
offensive plays. An interception would help them out with that feat. Um, then I guess if if there was any silver lining in this game, it was that the Gophers staved off a sh- being shut out at home with only 14 seconds left in the entire game. Tanner Morgan threw a four-yard pass to Rashad Bateman for their lone touchdown. That would be Bateman's only second receiving TD on the year, and he had 111 receiving yards on eight receptions to go with that lone TD. Quarterback Tanner Morgan would also finish the game with two interceptions against the Hawkeyes. At the conclusion of this game, the Hawkeyes, the Iowa Hawkeyes, sorry, will travel to University Park, Pennsylvania to play the Penn State Nittany Lions at 2.30 in the afternoon this Saturday. Meanwhile, the Gophers will get a visit from the Purdue Boilermakers at 6.30 p.m. tomorrow night. Coming into tomorrow night's game against the Gophers for Purdue, the Gophers come in winning their last two straight games against the Boilermakers and six of the last seven matchups between the two clubs. And they hope they can continue their success against them tomorrow night looking for that second win. For the Boilermakers, they hope they can continue to have success through the air in this game with the Gophers as Purdue is currently leading the Big Ten right now with 305.3 passing yards per game. And that is in large part due to junior quarterback Aiden O'Connell. Through his first three games, O'Connell has thrown for 916 yards with a completion percentage just under 65% and seven touchdowns. Four of them to his favorite receiver, Spence, sorry, sophomore David Bell. However, Bell is only one of three receivers currently on that team who is averaging at least. 10 yards per reception that also have nine plus completions on the year. So needless to say, the Gophers secondary will have their hands full and uh, will have to be up to the test to slow them down if they want the chance to win the game. Similar to the Gophers, Purdue comes into this game losing last week, but the Boilermakers almost came back against Northwestern. Northwestern went up in the middle of the first quarter with a touchdown, and they never looked back. Northwestern scored 14 unanswered points in the middle of the game, proving to be the difference in the game as O'Connell connected with Milton Wright on a 14-yard pass halfway through the fourth to make it a 22-27 game. But that would prove to be the final score. The Gophers will look tomorrow night to get back into the win column, like I mentioned, in hopes to get win number two on the year, as a loss tomorrow night would mean at best they can have a 500 season due to the shortened season. RTV, Sky Yuma, go Goves. Let's go. No new news, unfortunately, on the Twins front, but the MLB did announce earlier today that ESPN will actually be broadcasting a quadruple header on opening day 2021 on April 1st, as the Dodgers look to defend their 2020 World Series championship. They announced the first game will be the Toronto Blue Jays visiting the New York Yankees at noon Central Standard Time, followed by the Dodgers at the Rockies at 3 p.m. At 6 p.m. will be the New York Mets, who will travel to the Washington Nationals, 
And ending out the night at 9 p.m. will be the Astros taking on the Athletics. So for us baseball fans out there, now we just uh, simply play the waiting game. Now, to you Wild fans out there, I excuse me, I truly do apologize. But unfortunately, for yet another week, there is new, no new news on the Minnesota Wild or for the NHL as a whole for that matter, as there has been next to no news on all of this. We still do, in fact, know they are eyeing January 1st, 2021 as the start date for the 2020-2021 season. But I will keep you guys in the loop when I hear more. Keep your eyes peeled on my Twitter for updates between episodes. If we do get them, I will update them on there. And if you want, in the meantime, ask me a question or two about the NHL or a while. So, for the NBA and the Minnesota Timberwolves, the NBA draft was indeed last night, and it was a good one. With the first pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Minnesota Timberwolves picked Anthony Edwards, the six foot three shooting guard from Georgia, and wow, man, I am excited to see how a solid core of D'Angelo Russell, Cat, and Edwards can be. Quickly to round out the rest of the lottery picks, the Warriors had the number two pick, and they took the University of Memphis product centerman James Wiseman. The Charlotte Hornets held the third pick overall, and they took LaMelo Ball, the point guard from Chino Hills, California, which I'm sure a lot of you know about and have heard about. (laughs) The Bulls had the number fourth pick, and they took Florida State's uh, small forward, Patrick Williams. And rounding out the top five, like I mentioned, the Cleveland Cavaliers took Isaac Okuro, the freshman small forward from Auburn. So congratulations to all five of them and hope you all have a great NBA career. A little later on in the night, the Timberwolves actually made some draft day trades as they traded away their 17th overall pick to the Oklahoma City Thunder in exchange for the number 25 pick and the 28th pick and Ricky Rubio and actually just minutes before I came on this podcast as a part of that trade I found out we are actually sending James Johnson down there already as well so this is already the second time this offseason that Rubio has been traded Ricky Rubio actually finished the 2019-2020 season as a member of the Phoenix Suns And then three days ago, he was a part of a trade that sent Chris Paul to Phoenix and him to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And then um, now he's a Timberwolves again. (laughs) The Timberwolves also made a second draft night trade with the Knicks as they sent the Knicks their 25th and 33rd picks in exchange for their 23rd pick. And with that 23rd pick, the Wolves acquired... Uh, from the Knicks, they picked Leandro Balmaro, a six foot seven small forward from Spain, to help out their front court. And then, with the twenty eighth pick from the Wolves, acquired uh, Jaden McDaniel's, a freshman out of the University of Washington. McDaniel's is a six foot ten small forward as well. And that would be it for the Minnesota Timberwolves on draft night. And to all those who were selected last night, congratulations and. I hope everybody has good careers. Obviously, we want the best for everyone. 
Lastly, for the NBA, they came out back on Tuesday night for their plans for the structure and format for the upcoming season schedule. They said the schedule will be released in two halves. So the schedule for the first half of the season, which will be from December 22nd to March 4th, will be released on December 1st, around when training camps open up like we predicted. However, the league won't release the schedule for the second half of the schedule until later in the first half. The reason for this being that in the event that there are games in the first half that were postponed games for for any reason, that they can be reasonably added to the remainder of the schedule in the second half along with the second half of the 72-game schedule, or 36, I guess, (laughs) if you will. Schedule. So now, as far as structure goes, the only thing they mentioned with regards to that, they said each NBA team will play the teams within their conference three times for a total of 42 games, while playing the teams from the opposing conference twice for a total of 30 games. So the thought back before finding out any of this, that maybe with travel restrictions, we wouldn't be seeing every every team playing every team. That is not true. So the second half of the season will now run from March 11th to May 16th. And I believe the separator between the two halves will be that All-Star weekend as well. Uh, And this year, 10 teams in each conference will technically be making the playoffs. The 7 through 10 seeded teams similar to the restart, we'll actually have a play-in tournament that will be held from, excuse me, held from May 18th to the 21st before the May 22nd start date of the playoffs. So in two weeks from now, we will be able to talk more about games to watch and games to circle. And with that, it is noted that only five teams from each conference will not be making the playoffs because of that as well. So with that, let's move on to the Vikings. Man, look look at these Vikes go. I know this Monday Night Football game, <laughs> I, I think I speak for a lot of people, saying it was tough to watch at times. But, hey, in the words of Nick Foles, I believe I heard him say at some point in the pregame, sometimes it's better to win ugly than to lose pretty. <laughs> so, once again, wow, yeah, what a whirlwind of a game. Uh, sometimes hard to watch. Uh, it was it was an interesting one, a lot of mixed motions. It was, it was your typical <laughs> Vikings roller coaster of a game. So, even though Dalvin would finish the game with 96 rushing yards and end up doing pretty well and being pretty effective in the second half, he was only held to 34 rushing yards in the first half. And even though the Vikings took a 7-6 to lead into halftime off a one-handed catch from Adam Thielen, which, my word, I remember that play... Uh, Kirk threw it, and a lot of people were like, oh, no, another play, and he gets up, and they're signaling for a touchdown. I'm just like, what the heck? So despite all that, going into that halftime with that 7-6 to lead, a lot of this 
were wondering with Cook's 34 yards, we were left wondering, are we going to have to be forced to only play our passing game in the second half? Because Hakeem Hicks, uh, Khalil Mack, Daniel Trevathan, all those guys were locked in on him and were truthfully seemed committed to doing nothing else but just stopping our run game in the second half. So if (laughs) that wasn't bad enough at halftime for the Vikings fans, we got to see ex-Viking Cordero Patterson (coughs) return the second half opening kickoff for 104 yards for a touchdown to give the Bears their one and only lead of the game. Now, don't get me wrong. I have mixed emotions about this. I got nothing but love for Cordell Patterson. I feel like we didn't utilize him the way we should have. He was only a receiver for us. I realized we had AP at the time. It would have been cool to see him integrating him in our offense as more running and doing some creative things with it. But, hey, we're the Vikings. We, we don't do things like that. It was nice to see him do that kind of stuff. And I believe now, rethinking about that, he's tied for the, the most all-time kickoff return touchdowns in NFL history with seven. So the next one he has, he'll set the record. So I I hope he does that. I got nothing but love for him. But it it is the Chicago Bears. And when you're as hard of a f- fan for a specific team like I am with the Vikings, you, you hate to see the Vikings or your team losing at any point in the game. With that said, this... This is what I'm talking about um, with the Vikings. We were able to get 20 to 40-yard drives going in the second half. But between the two teams, re-looking at the statute after the game, there were 15 second-half possessions between us and the Bears. And in the second half, we saw, of those 15 possessions, eight punts and the Vikings stopping the Bears twice on down. So... Like I said, tough to watch. It was a grind em out game. It wasn't high scoring. I believe last week I said it was going to be 27 to 17 games. So, I mean, I guess that's a middle game. I, you know, I didn't think it was going to be very high scoring. So, I don't know why I predicted that. So, weirdly enough, even though the offense only got us 19 points in this game, I thought our defense looked even better. Not that I thought the Bears' offense was going to be good or that I thought they are good because, I mean, they're not. But they did what they needed to, which included an interception off of Nick Foles and two sacks as well. I think I speak for a lot of people saying Kirk is an okay quarterback and with the weapons he has, he can be successful with the tight ends with the wide receivers, with being able to throw to Delvin, and with the running game with Delvin, Matheson, and Boone. But this for this Vikings team to be able to win a championship or even contend for a championship, we don't just need the offense going. We need the defense going. So it's it's nice to see this defense clicking and starting to do better. So nonetheless, I am very happy the Vikings got this win. And yes, I did some research with the Vikings win against the Bears this last week. This is the sixth straight season that has seen the Vikings achieve at least a three-game winning streak in a season, 
which is is pretty impressive in in the NFL. It's uh, wins are definitely hard to come by as there's a lot. Usually there's a lot of really upper echelon teams, and then there's good teams, and then there's teams that are always pretty good. So it's 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 tough. I mean, just like the NBA and the NHL and all these other leagues, you're literally playing up and going up against teams like that have the best of the best. So very impressive. All things considered, all three um, offensive starts, uh, offensive, sorry, all, all things considered, all three of our offensive stars finished well in this game. Justin Jefferson actually led all receivers with his eight receptions and 135 receiving yards. But Thielen did catch both touchdowns on four total receptions with 63 yards. And Cook, like I mentioned, finished with his 96 rushing yards on 30 carries. Also, with Thielen's two touchdowns this last week, he, on the Vikings' all-time receiving touchdowns list, is now tied for sixth all-time with Ahmad Rashad with 34. So congratulations, Adam Thielen. Hope to see him crawl up there in those ranks. Also, before we move on, I also want to shout out Nick Foles. Hope he is doing well and is recovering okay. I haven't heard anything bad, so I'm taking that as good news. Uh, for those that didn't watch the game on the Bears' final drive, Foles did get injured uh, after throwing an incomplete pass. He kind of threw it away, and I can't remember if it was Jaleel Johnson or Afedi Adenabo who kind of shoved him to the ground, and he just kind of landed weird. But he had to be carted off the field, so again, best best wishes to him, and we hope for a speedy recovery for um, whatever uh, his injury was. So with that, checking in on predictions from last week, Cook did not get his 200-plus scrimmage yards like I thought. I believe he only finished with 123. He had his 96 rushing yards, but he only caught one pass, or two passes, I believe, for like 23 yards or something like that. But the Vikings' defense did hold the Bears' rushing game to well under 100 yards, so... I'm very happy about that. You guys know how much I like getting my predictions right. They only held them to a mere 41 rushing yards. Cordero Patterson actually led the Bears with 30 of those rushing yards. Also, after this game, with his eight receptions like we mentioned, J.J., Justin Jefferson, is now leading the team with 42 receptions. Don't worry, you Adam Thielen lovers. He's right behind with 41, which means he only has 28 more receptions to go to beat uh, rookie Randy Moss's receiving record. And with only seven games left, that's an average of only four per game now. So once again, we are ahead of schedule. Now onto the Vikings week 11 matchup with the Dallas Cowboys at home. For those that don't know, the Vikings opened up as eight and a half point favorites over the Cowboys in large part due to Dallas being without starting quarterback Dak Prescott, but also their backup quarterback Andy Dalton 
Uh, and then they have a handful of offensive and defensive linemen out as well. Plus, Zeke has had, mm, I mean, I'd call it a less than stellar year just from what we've come to see from him with regards to stats. Excuse me. Um, coming into this matchup, he's he only has... 572 rushing yards on the year, and a handful of touchdowns, five to be exact, like I said. However, on the bright side, on the bright side for Cowboy fans, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup are all coming into this game with 450 receiving yards at least, and at least one touchdown, so... The one thing I I don't even know I was looking at the roster I don't even know who they are um, rocking with as their quarterback but at least whoever is getting behind them right now they are they have weapons to throw to which is key. However, I do really like how the Vikings are coming into this game as the season has gone on. I just I. I really like how we're not looking at Justin Jefferson as our number two option because really he has the potential to be the future of this team. And on any given week, you look at Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, they can flip-flop as your number one and your number two depending on what the defense is showing you, which I love. And since the... Excuse me, since the bye, we're integrating our tight ends more. We're throwing to Rudolph. I noticed he had four catches this last game. And um, Dalvin is really coming into his element running-wise, catching-wise, and health-wise. I think everybody knew the potential he had these last couple years. He was just out with injuries. So I think as a whole, coming out of our bye week, we just we've really clicked together as a team, not only in winning three straight games, but three straight divisional games, which is really, really hard to do. And I honestly can't stress this enough, but our defense is has especially been coming up big, coming out of the bye. They just they really have going into the bye week through our first. I just want to throw out some of these stats so people have a little bit of perspective with what I'm talking about. Going into the bye week. Through our first six weeks, our defense was giving up, on average, 32 points per game and just over 413 total offensive yards per game. That's a lot of offensive yards. But since our bye week, in the last three weeks, our defense has allowed a tad over 20 points per game, 21.3 to be exact, and about 323 yards per game now I know what I'm sure a lot of people are thinking that post the bye week the sample size is half the size pre-bye week but for a defense that is not only sizably younger this year but is different with guys being out this is a big step in the right direction yes we still have seven more big weeks to go but knowing that coming out of this bye, we've reconnected, we've clicked, and we're making these strides, it's huge. It's also worth noting, coming into this Week 11 game, through the first 10 weeks, our defense at, 
as a whole has 18 sacks total. Six of those sacks have come since the bye week and seven interceptions as a whole. Three of those since the bye week. Lastly, looking into this matchup, the Dallas Cowboys have a slim lead in our series, 16 to 15 games. The last time we played them was actually back on November 10th, 2019, just last year, which we lost a close one, 24-28. But after that game, we have previous sorry previous to that game we won the last two consecutively in 2016 and 2013 so with a hopeful victory in this game we'd even out the series 16 games apiece so with that i think the vikings will win and i think it'll be a decisive game giving everything i've said i'm going to say 38 to 20 in a winning effort for the Vikings. So on to bold predictions. I think Delvin will run four three touchdowns this upcoming game. And then I also think the Vikings will have a day on defense with this young quarterback. I think we're going to get five, excuse me, total sacks in this game. So now for those of you that are keeping up with pickums and trying to beat me, I kind of messed up the, with this last week. So I picked the Thursday night football game uh, right before I worked out because I worked out right before that game last week. But then I don't know what happened. I forgot about the Sunday games until like 12.05. So all of them were locked. But I picked the Sunday night football game, or it must have been in the afternoon because I was only able to pick the Thursday night game, the Sunday night game, and the Monday night game. So of the games I actually remembered to pick, I went two for three, which isn't bad. But if you think about it as a whole, I went three for 14 because I screwed up. So this week, for my sure thing, for the first time this year, I'm actually going to go with my Minnesota Vikings. I don't know if you guys have been noticing week to week, but with my sure things and upsets, I don't really like sticking with the same teams. I think that's kind of cliche, stupid, whatever. I kind of like giving you guys different picks, and for those of you betters out there, you know, different teams to kind of look out for and things to think about. So, like I said earlier, I don't have to explain much because we went into it earlier, but the Cowboys just, they're banged up and they're not looking well. I it It certainly, you can't, you, you can make the argument to me, this could be another case of an Atlanta game. I'm hoping it's not. Um, but that coupled with they're just coming up a team that, even though they've just won big three, three big games in a row, this team they're coming up against is going to be at home. And I feel like the Vikings have a bit of a chip on their shoulder because, one, they know they're a playoff-caliber team. And I feel like they have that chip on their shoulder because I feel like right now they feel like they should be a 6-3 and three or 7-2 and two team, which I love. They're striding in the right direction, but they're not getting complacent. I love it. As for the upset this week, this one was a little tough. Um, but I actually really like the Patriots this week over the Houston Texans. I know the Texans aren't much of a favorite in this game. But the Patriots have won back-to-back games coming into this week and honestly could make a huge second-half AFC playoff push. Plus, Cam Newton hasn't thrown an interception in three games now. So 
if that trend continues, look for New England to be right back in the thick of the hunt. Lastly, before we go, huge congratulations to Mr. DJ, Mr. Dustin Johnson himself, on his first Masters win this last weekend. It was his first Masters win, like I said, and only his second major championship win, which appalled me. His his only other um, major championship was back in 2016 at the U.S. Open. DJ shot 7-under on Thursday. He shot 2-under on Friday, 7-under again on Saturday, and finished on Sunday with 4-under for an overall score for the weekend of 20-under. So, once again, huge congratulations to him on a huge showing and certainly on his first Masters. For you golfer fans out there, the Waste Management Phoenix Open, which will, I'm sure, be a lot different this year, will be coming up here on February 7th. And the World Golf Championship in Mexico this year will be three weeks after that on the 28th. And, fun fact, the next major event in the PGA calendar year will actually be the 2021 Masters back in Augusta on April 11th. But... Please remember, this podcast is about you guys, the listeners. If you guys have a topic you want me to address or a question you want me to answer, please reach out on Twitter or by emailing us. Twitter handle is at miniweekend, and email is miniweekend at gmail.com. That's M-I-N-N-Y-W-E-E-K-E-N-D at gmail.com. Same spelling for Twitter, and feel free to give us a follow on Twitter as well. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your podcast listening site for updates. And if you like the podcast, give it five stars. And if you don't, well, just keep listening until you would give it five stars. Until next week, Minnie.